Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 439. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a great Q&A for you that I'm going to do today, but before we do that, I want to talk about the MCAT Minute brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Did you know that the live online course is now available? Yeah, go check it out. They have an amazing set of features and amazing instructors to help you score higher on the MCAT. If you need the accountability to do well, to get your prep done, go check out the new live online course from Blueprint MCAT over at blueprintmcat.com. The question, though, is really, how do you know you're ready to take the MCAT? And that is a hard question for everyone. And I will tell you that no one ever feels prepared to take the MCAT. What you have to do is trust your preparation. Plan the work, work the plan, as they say. Use Blueprint MCAT's study planner tool that you get for free over at blueprintprep.com MCAT to help organize your study plans select a date, put in when you want to take the test, when you want to take your full-length exams, and let their magical algorithm tell you what you need to do every day. And life happens, and sometimes you can't get to everything that you're supposed to do that day, and with a simple drag-and-drop interface, you can reschedule everything that you need to do. Go check it out. But, but the fear, the anxiety around when to take the MCAT, it's really hard. So take it when you feel prepared. Don't rush it so that you can take it by a, a magical date that everyone says you need to take it by. If you don't feel you'll be ready, if if your preparation shows that you won't be ready, then sometimes the best answer, delay the MCAT, delay applying to medical school. So go check out blueprintmcat.com for all their great resources. Thank you, Blueprint, for sponsoring the pre-med years. That is the MCAT minute. So we're going to jump into some Instagram Q&A right now. 
So the great white says, when should I tell my LORs to have their letters? How do they submit? So there are a few things to do here. Hello, Jufidit. Jufidit, shout me out. Um, <clears throat> there, there are a few things to think about. If you want to start having your letter writer submit their LORs right now, then you need to use a service like Interfolio. We're hoping that in the future, Mapped, which if you haven't checked out yet, mapped.com, M-A-P-P-D.com, we're, we're, um, that's in the kind of roadmap for Mapped to have Interfolio-like features inside of Mapped so you can handle all of your LORs right inside of Mapped. But if you want the letter writers to submit their LORs right now, before applications open up, you need to submit them through Interfolio, or there are a few other third-party services that you could potentially use that interface with the application services. If you don't want to use Interfolio, if you don't want to pay for Interfolio because it costs some money to transmit to the application services, you can check with your pre-health office. Uh, sometimes your pre-health office will use services like Interfolio. They'll have their own in-house service to handle LORs for you, or you can wait. And what you need to do is you wait until the application season opens up here in the next couple weeks, beginning of May, and you then go through the application service, fill out the LOR forms, the LOR requests, and let the application service say, hey, Dr. Smith, Johnny is looking for a letter of recommendation from you. Can you please submit it here? And what Dr. Smith will have to do is upload directly to each of the application services that you are applying to. So if you're one of the lucky students that's applying to all three application services, Dr. Smith will have to upload to all three application services versus just one for Interfolio and then letting Interfolio handle the rest. So I always like to get my letters in as soon as possible so that that's one less anxiety that I have, that students have is waiting for letters to come in. So I always like an earlier deadline just to make sure that there's no issues, that Dr. Smith doesn't get hit by a bus tomorrow and all of a sudden you don't have the letter that you were expecting, right? God forbid. So uh, rock and roll in that way. All right, <clears throat> let's get some Q&A here. Why do USA medical schools barely accept people when there is predicted to be a large shortage of doctors in the coming years? So the facilities only will hold a certain number of people and residency spots only have a certain number of spots, right? We, we only have enough seats for people to train. So that is just the way it is. Emma asks, should I still apply if I got a low MCAT score? It depends on what low is, Emma. If you have a 495, probably not. If you have a 505 and you think that's low, that is actually a decent score, right? It's not amazing, 5, 515. The average is about a 511.4, I think, for AMCAS and, and close to that for TMDSAS and a little bit lower for, for DO schools. But it's all relative. Remember, the MCAT is just one test, one variable in the process, right? So Emma said it's 505, right? I nailed it. So the, the, the 505, depending on the rest of your application, may be fine, right? I always talk about an MCAT score being good enough. 
Now, is a 505 good enough? A 505 is good enough for a lot of schools, a lot of, and and I'm saying this just for you pre-meds because this is how you think, unfortunately, for a lot of allopathic schools, right? For a lot of MD schools, because you guys separate MD-DO in terms of, oh, that's good enough for DO. Oh, that's good enough for MD. I don't think like that. Yes, DO stats are lower and there are good reasons for that, but it's not that DO schools are worse. Therefore, you can do worse on your stats and still get in. So I think a 505, depending on the rest of your application, is potentially good enough. Are you going to get into Harvard with a 505? Probably not. But depending on what your aspirations are, where you want to go, a 505 may be good enough. Good question. Good question. How do schools, med schools, look at the last 30 credits of undergraduate courses? They look at it as if that's your trend, right? I talk about this all the time. I had a, a student a couple days ago, or yesterday actually, on application renovation. I recorded five more application renovation videos. If you don't watch those, applicationrenovation.com. Um, the, the, the student had... Uh, an amazing upward trend. The last 50 hours of his undergraduate coursework was a 4.0. His total science GPA was only a 3.35. He had like a 2.9 freshman year, a 2.6 sophomore year, like a 2.1 junior year, and then senior year and post back, 50 credit hours, 4.0. He figured it out. He had some issues, figured it out, crushed it. And a lot of students will go to Reddit, they'll go to Student Doctor Network, they'll come on Instagram, they'll do whatever and say, I have a 335. And everyone will go, that's not good enough to get into medical school. And the first question that I want all of you to ask as you're doing this, as you see these questions on these forms, is what is your story? What's the story of those numbers? What does your trend look like? Because a 335 could be like this student, 29, 26, 21, 40, 40, or it could be 40, 40, 21, 26, 29. Two very different stories. The third story could be 35, 35, 35, 35, or 32, 32, 32, whatever, whatever that number is, right? It could be just a flat line. Different stories. Okay. I talk about this all the time. The story behind the numbers matter. And trust me, medical schools have the ability to see everything. They get all of the data. They don't just see the the PDF printout that you can get from your application. They don't just see a chart of high school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, post-baccalaureate. They don't just see that. They get every single data point and they can view and chart and spreadsheet and do whatever they want to say, you know what? At our school, the only thing we care about are the last 30 hours of science or the last 60 hours of everything, whatever it may be. So to answer your question is, it depends, right? It depends on the school and what they do. I don't have, I don't like research, so I don't have a lot of research experience, but I have a lot of experience in pharmaceutical company because I like that. Is that okay? Sure, do what you want. I wholeheartedly stand behind the fact that you should be doing the things that you want. Don't do research. Don't force yourself to do something 
that you don't enjoy just because you think it's required to get into medical school. Me personally, I think research is one of the most overrated parts of the medical school application. Can a high MCAT score outweigh a poor GPA? It's a very common question. I don't like this question. Uh, I, I don't think the MCAT and the GPA are like opposite sides of the same scale and and doing well on one will will af affect a lower score on another or whatever, right? Uh, a good GPA doesn't outweigh a bad MCAT score, a bad MCAT or a good MCAT score doesn't outweigh a low GPA. At the end of the day, very similar to how if you get an A in a class and a C in a class, they average to a B. A lot of medical schools will use some sort of, of uh, rubric to say, hey, you know what? We're going to say an MCAT score between a 515 and a 528 is this many points between a 510 and a 515 is this many points between a 500 and a 510 is this many points. And then they'll do the same thing for GPA between a 38 and a 40 between a 35 and a 38 and they'll they'll give points. And so when you think about it in that sense, yes, a higher MCAT score will always help you. A higher GPA will always help you. So does a higher MCAT score outweigh a low GPA? Don't think about it that way. A high MCAT score helps, period. A higher GPA helps, period. All right, different way to think about it. Do medical schools care if I do extracurriculars in college? Does it matter? Yes, they do care. They do care. They wanna see that you're getting experiences for you, right? The clinical experience, shadowing experiences, you need to do those for you to prove that you want to be a physician, to prove that you like to be around doctors, et cetera, be around patients, uh, and to show that, hey, even with school, I'm putting myself out there, I'm getting extracurriculars in, I'm spending time in the community. All of that good stuff is important. Tips for preparing for the MCATs, yes. MCATpodcast.com, MCATcarspodcast.com. Before we jump any further, have you guys checked out my new book yet? Have you pre-ordered it yet? The Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Application Process. Pre-order now available. If you pre-order it and submit your receipt, I'll send you all my books. Ari Love, is this being recorded? It is for the pre-med years this week. Keep the questions coming. What's your experience in speaking with older pre-meds, 30, 40 plus? Do you think we are too late? No, never, never. How would you describe your experience with the Air Force Scholarship? Looking into that. Um, so if you just go to my website, medicalschoolhq.net, or just if you have Google skills, search HPSP site colon medicalschoolhq.net. I have lots of information about HPSP. Uh, I'm a big advocate for it. There are lots of uh, issues, though, if you if you uh, aren't aware of them. So go check them out. Do you know clinical jobs but don't require? Do you know of clinical jobs that don't require certification, like CNA, MA, besides scribing? Uh, no, a lot, a lot of clinical jobs, unfortunately, require certification. Check your state uh, where I am here in Colorado. You don't have to have a certificate to be a medical assistant. You could just get on-the-job training. So check that out. 
as a non-trad, does taking upper-level courses after my official postback further display academic ability? I want to be as competitive as possible, and the classes are at my dream medical school. So there, there's a lot to unpack with this one. Uh, new book slaps, no cap. Thank you. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Omar. Um, the... There's a lot to unpack with this. So if you're non-trad, taking upper-level courses after an official postback, does it further display academic ability? Well, I don't know. How did you do in your postback? If you got a 4.0, do you need to further show academic capability? Of course not. At some point, it's like you're either good enough or you're not. And so proving that you're still good enough after you've already proven that you're good enough all that does is waste a lot of money. So I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't worry about doing more. If you need to do more, then go right right ahead. Uh, I pre-ordered it on Amazon. How do I get the PDF? If you go to medschoolapplicationbook.com. Uh, oh no. Let me see. I'll uh, here. Type in it here. Med school application book. Uh, med school. Dot com slash submit for that. <clears throat> what would be a good amount of hours to volunteer do research for medical schools? There's no number, unfortunately. Do what you can do. Response couldn't be shared. Off topic, how's your basement looking now? Uh, I'm in my basement now, so hopefully, <laughs> thanks thanks for the uh, the question. Hopefully, I'm not dying of mold exposure right now, but uh, we're, uh, we're back in business. Any tips for international students? So there are lots of, of problems, uh, complications that come from being an international student. The biggest one typically is um, finances medical schools because you're not available for federal loans here in the US. Medical schools will require either four years of, of tuition upfront or one year upfront or a co-signer for private loans or whatever that potentially looks like. The second potential issue is if you're an international student, where did you do your undergrad? Medical schools want your undergrad done here in the States or at least typically 90 hours. There, there are some some variations in that, um, but continue to check that out. All right, so good questions. Keep them coming. As a non-trad to taking, we got that one done already. I bought an old MCAT book for behavioral science, 2019, 2020. It's <laughs> not old. To help myself get familiar with the material for the MCAT, is this a good idea as I take my sciences? Um, I'm not sure what the question is. Take your science, like, is the book good for your science courses? No, the book is for your MCAT, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that question is about. Do you have any tips for international students? Um, it's hard to find a lot of extracurriculars. Yeah, so just an extension of the previous question. 
international students, it's very hard to find activities that you can do, especially ones that will check your your citizenship status. And it's just a lot of knocking on doors, unfortunately. Uh, typically, because you're affiliated with the school, with your visa, you can try to find stuff through your school, uh, or you just go find a private practice somewhere that isn't going to care about that or ask those questions. So... How to get into space medicine. Um, so aerospace medicine is uh, typically what you need to look into. Uh, there, especially through the military, uh, aerospace medicine residencies. Um, when I was a flight surgeon in the Air Force, I got to go to, to Johnson in Houston a space center there, check it out. Let's go to the the big pool where they train all the astronauts. Um, I got to be on a shuttle response team at Dover Air Force Base, Dover Air Force Base on the East Coast for shuttles uh, when we still had the shuttle program. Uh, I was actually part of the last shuttle launch, um, the shuttles that were taking off at Cape Canaveral. If there was any issue and the shuttle had to abort, they would land at Dover Air Force Base. And so we had to get trained by NASA on how to respond and uh, what to do with the astronauts when they landed and everything else. So I have some some cool pictures from all of that. Um, but there was there was opportunities to apply to to NASA and to be a an astronaut and all that kind of fun stuff. So the the military definitely probably the easier route, but there are civilian opportunities as well. You just gotta ask the questions. I did a an e shadowing. Um, eshadowing.com slash archive. I did an interview with someone who does a lot of um, aerospace medicine. He's an emergency medicine physician by training, but he also is um, trained in, um, I think he's trained in aerospace medicine as well. Uh, wilderness medicine he's trained in, and he does a lot of contract work with NASA experimenting and doing tests and other stuff. So, check that out. What should LOR writers include on the letter? AAMCID, their position, et cetera. How is that different for MD and DO? Um, so look at the requirements for different application services. Typically, it's, it has to be on letterhead, has to be dated, has to have a signature. Um, and that's really the core things. If you go through an application uh, the application services, each of the application services will email um, or you can print out to hand to the professor a request form for the letter of recommendation. And it'll have all the instructions on there. So go check those out. To elaborate on my earlier question, do you think it's a good idea to buy old MCAT books to help familiar familiarize myself with the material? for the MCAT, um, look, science doesn't change. The, the For the most part, the books are are just being tweaked from year to year, maybe different graphs, updated graphs, fixing typos, that kind of stuff. It's a very easy way to save some money on MCAT prep is to buy old books. Canadians applying to US medical schools. 
Uh, you, you have to find the schools that are Canadian friendly. Maybe Reddit or Student Doctor Network has a list out there that shows what schools are Canadian friendly. Some schools will actually not consider you an international student. They would just consider you a non like out-of-state resident than not an international student, which obviously is a huge advantage compared to a quote-unquote international student. So you just have to do some research and find out. Um, what do we got? How do we choose DO since no MSAR for DO? Well, Rachel, the MSAR for MD the MSAR, the medical school application requirements, isn't how you should pick medical schools anyway. So you shouldn't pick medical schools using the MSAR. Every student does this wrong. They go to the MSAR, they use the little filters on the side and go, okay, uh, here's my MCAT score, here's my GPA, here's a list of schools that I should apply to. That is not how you pick schools. Premedyears.com slash 437 is a really in-depth episode that I did with my friend and colleague, Joanne Snap. She's here on Instagram at joanne.snap.advising, I believe. Look her up. Um, and we talked all about how to build a school list. The MSAR is not how you do it, unfortunately. But thank you. Thank you, Jam, JGGM, Jim, Jim. But... There is an MSAR equivalent for DOs. It's called the Choose DO Explorer. Google Choose DO Explorer. It is free, which is better than the MSAR. I did undergrad in four universities. I was in two clubs at each university. How should I put on AMCAS? Um, are you talking about the clubs at the universities? Uh, well, that's eight activity spots, so... You have 15 on AMCAS. You could potentially do that, or you could combine. Lots of options there. Um, let's see. How do medical schools view a leave of absence in undergrad due to family illness, but came back strong last credit hour? Credit, 20 credits. Look, medical schools understand that life happens. Some medical schools will ask in a secondary application did you have any breaks in your education? And you just say, hey, I had a break and here's what it, what it was. And uh, they're going to care about how you responded and, and what happened after that. So is it possible to do medical school in the U.S. and then do inter internship and residency out of the U.S.? Um, I don't know that question, but my guess is no, because the educational system is different in other countries. The closest educational system to ours in terms of medical training is going to be Canada, where you go to college, you go to medical school, you do your residency training. In most other countries, medical education is right out of high school. You don't do college. You just go right into your medical school training. And so it's a much longer process and there are residency training spots, and uh, but it's, it's a very different process. And so to answer your question, probably not. Um, how long should there be a gap between two MCATs? So as long as you need, right? Some students crushed their MCAT prep. 
515, 517, doing great on the AAMC practice exams. They go and take their real test and they have a panic attack and they get a 505. That student could immediately turn around, register for the next open test in three weeks and go and crush it, manage their anxiety, but they have a high test score inside of them, right? They've already proven it to themselves that they can get a good score. And so that student can take the test immediately. Another student may get a 494, which is equivalent to what they were getting on their practice tests. That student shouldn't turn around and go, okay, three more weeks, I'm gonna go take another one. Hope, I hope I'm ready. That'll just show medical schools that you don't know how to really process challenges and, and think about the process. So don't do that. So it's gonna be really dependent on your specific situation. It's an interesting question. I, I think this person DM'd me this question as well. Do you think it's harder for people with autism, ADHD, dyslexia, et cetera, to get accepted into medical schools? Or is it as challenging as with others? If it's mentioned, hope that makes sense. Um, so neurodiversity is, is the biggest challenge with neurodiversity is going to be making sure that you have the accommodations necessary to do well on your your classes, in your classes in undergrad, right? In high school, then in undergrad, making sure that you're getting proper treatment, proper care, proper therapy, whatever it is for what you're dealing with, whatever your neurodiversity is, and then making sure that you're getting the support you need at each of the institutions. Now, unfortunately, the AAMC is is horrible with accommodations for the MCAT. They make you jump through so many hoops. They treat it like an, an, a, a, a medical procedure and they're sitting there going, do we wanna spend $1,000 to let Johnny have an MRI, right? That's, that's how they're treating it. And I found out recently that the person in charge of accommodations at the MCAT is a former insurance person who made these decisions. Like, oh, that's not, that's not necessary. You don't need that. So that's the, the biggest question, making sure that you get the support necessary to do well in your classes, to do well in your tests, to do well in the MCAT, and then continuing that support in medical school as well. And I, I talked to some medical students who have trouble uh, getting the support they need in medical school, even though we have laws around this, but some medical schools still fight, unfortunately. The, the bigger question is, what if you talk about this in your application, right? Biases are out there. If you say that you have autism on your application, right? That you talk about neurodiversity and being on the spectrum and whatever else, personal stigma and personal biases still exist. We are human beings, that's just what we do. And so when you say I have autism, someone reading that will picture what they see as a, a, a student with autism. And they may go, no, I've seen that TV show. I know my, my, my neighbor's brother's sister has a kid with autism and I see how that student acts or that kid acts. And I don't want to deal with that here at this school. And they'll just pass on your application. And so there are going to potentially be challenges if you talk about this in your application. And that's just, that's just truth, right? Personal biases are out there. These are human beings reading applications. And so as much as possible, don't give them a reason to reject you. If you can 
talk about challenges you've had um, in schooling or whatever else without kind of calling yourself out, do that. But I want you to be the truest form of yourself. And if you're like, you know what? This is a big part of why I wanna be a doctor. This is who I am. And this is, this is what I wanna do. Tell your story. The schools that don't like that will reject you. The schools that think that's awesome are going to, to, um, to give you a chance. And just, it is what it is, unfortunately. Oh, human beings. We are awesome creatures, don't you think? Do I watch medical shows? I do not. Um, if I resonate more with DO practices, should I apply to only DO schools or would that limit my chances? So here is my thought on this. I think medical school is medical school. DO equals MD, MD equals DO. Um, yes, the DO kind of markets themselves as this holistic philosophy. I've challenged their, their president, the, the AOA president, the Association of Osteopathic, American Osteopathic Association, uh, president on a podcast, like all physicians, MD and DO treat patients holistically. And so it's, it's a marketing gimmick that they have. Uh, maybe they teach it a little bit earlier in medical school, how to take care of patients a little bit more holistically. The, the thing that I love about osteopathic medicine is the hands-on approach, being able to use your hands and use your fingers to feel what's going on. I'm a huge believer in, uh, in soft tissue manipulation, making sure that things are aligned and massage and, and popping and cracking and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, just things that I've gone through personally. Uh, I, I, I'm a huge believer in that kind of stuff. So uh, I think you can get trained on that kind of stuff as an MD if you want as well. So at the end of the day, go to medical go to go to a medical school that you think will um, help you be the best you possible. All right. Hello, the artsy men. If the AMC has denied you accommodations for the MCAT, should we consider pushing our MCAT date and application since the support to do well on the MCAT isn't there? I would. I would. Um, again, the, the AMC is horrendous with accommodations. I, I think they should be looked at <laughs> and, and have some some oversight into how they handle their accommodations. It's it's horrible. Um, so much money is is being spent unnecessarily on tests that students need to go get to prove to the MCAT, hey, I, I need time and a half for double time. I've been getting it all my life in, in high school, undergrad, et cetera. Why are you denying me? Because my test is a six months old? Like It's just ridiculous. But anyway, uh, I would consider pushing back and make sure you have the support you need. What best tips do you have for those applying to Texas schools as an out-of-state applicant? Don't. <laughs> uh, don't, yeah. It, have as high of an MCAT score as possible, as high of a GPA as possible, a crap ton of clinical experience. Um, being an out-of-state applicant to Texas medical schools is really hard, and they, they, are, they have the ability, because they are very limited in number of seats, to pick the best of the best of the best of the best. So do what you can do. Uh, 
Uh, oh, what happened there? We having fun? We're having some fun. How does it look if I started at community college? It's perfectly fine. Looks like you saved some money. That's smart. <laughs> what is the ideal length to study for the MCAT? Uh, again, typical three or four months, but as long as you need. All right. Let's see. Does being a behavioral uh, technician to autistic children count as clinical experience? A thousand percent. It's a very common question. I, I wonder why a lot of students don't understand that that's clinical experience. You're interacting with a patient. You can do it. It's weird. Some of these questions aren't being pulled up. I don't know why. How much of a concern is it if only two out of four of my letter writers really know me personally? I want. I went to a large university and didn't get to know some of my professors very well. Uh, that's a big problem, right? Your letter writers should be able to speak about who you are as a person, not Sally was in my class and got an A. That's not the letter that they need to write. They need to be able to write about who you are, your your strengths and weaknesses and personality and, and kind of where you line up and core competencies and all that kind of fun stuff. So um, try to find people who know you, know you well. All right. When do you think we should take the Casper? As soon as possible. It's going to be part of most schools' secondary application process. So the sooner you can take it, the better, just to get it out of the way. So many questions pouring in. Um, I'm not going to ask a question of one student who keeps typing the same question over and over again. That is not how you get someone's attention. So I will punish you. Don't do that. It's not cool. <laughs> Would working as a medical scribe be good experience for clinical and shadowing? Yes. Um, for clinical experience, definitely. Uh, it's not shadowing, but it is shadowing. Uh, <laughs> but I would still try to get some separate shadowing. But uh, yeah, it's a great experience. Hello, Michael Olson. My day is going well. Thank you, sir. All right. Again, if you're typing the same question over and over again, I'm not going to read your question unless I didn't see the typed multiple times. How can students, here's a great question. How can students look for unique extracurriculars? You don't. You just do extracurriculars that you like. What unique extracurriculars are out there? I was talking about this the other day. Right now, with the mRNA technology that that has kind of come to light, it's been around for a while. It's always this this kind of, false idea that mRNA technology is brand new, right? It's been around for a few years, um, but uh, obviously adapted for COVID right now. And now it's being tested and adapted for HIV uh, with good initial response, uh, testing it for HIV. And so, right, that would be a unique extracurricular if you were on the team that is, is testing this new HIV vaccine using mRNA technology. Amazing, right? But outside of that, What's what's unique out there? Band? That's not unique. Lots of lots of people apply to to medical school having been in the marching band, right? There's nothing unique. The the unique part of all of this is who you are and how the experience impacted you and how you experienced or how you impacted the experience. That's the unique part for everyone. And that's why 
I harp on telling stories and narratives in your experiences because that's where the uniqueness comes out. If you just list job duties, you can't be unique because everyone does the same thing in the same type of job. So narratives really help you explore the uniqueness of of who you are. I have a chapter on activities in my new book, The Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Application Process. Ignore that. It's my personal statement book. Look, it's it's fake. <laughs> I don't have my new book yet. Um, I, I just have uh, the, the cover printed and taped on. Um, so yeah, the NFL player who's a Canadian student, right? Sure. How many active NFL players are in medical school? Well, there there was one. There's probably not one right now. Um, but it's yeah. Don't don't worry about being unique, right? Oh. You you want something unique? Be good at football and go play in the NFL and then apply to medical school, right? It just doesn't work that way. It just happens to be what the kid really enjoyed. Um, and then it was awesome. He took the year off to, to stay on the front lines and help fight COVID. So good on him. I need to get him in. If any of you have connections, uh, and I, I forget his name off the top of my book. Um, if any of you have connections with, uh, that dude, the Canadian dude who play who plays for the Chiefs. Um, let me know. I want him on my podcast. That'd be an amazing story. All right. Oh, I picked something. I don't know what I picked. Uh, what do you recommend for extracurriculars in college that would give me great medical experiences? It's kind of the same question, right? Whatever you want. I mean, you need something that'll put you around patients to get you explore. You can volunteer in the ER, potentially do that. You can be a medical assistant. You can be a respiratory therapist. You can be an anesthesia tech. You can be a, an ER tech. You can be an EMT. You can be a phlebotomist. You can, there are lots of things. Lots of things. Is telescribing considered clinical experience? Probably right now. Normally, probably not. But COVID times? Potentially, potentially, potentially. All right. Do you think a semester abroad as a pre-med is worth it? These experiences are pricey, but I'm not sure if they are beneficial. So here's something that that I harp on all the time, and it always feels like I, I jump on these rants uh, on Instagram, is you should not be looking at all of these different opportunities as, is this going to help me? Is this going to look good on my application? Is this going to help me get into medical school? Is this going to help me stand out? The question you should be asking yourself is, do I want to do this? Is this something that I feel I will grow from? Or if you're just doing it to stand out on an application, the answer is don't do it. Because that's how it's going to look. And that's how you're going to treat it. Treat these experiences as life-altering experiences for you personally, to grow as a human being, not to check a box on an application. So is it worth it? I don't know. Do you have the money? Don't go in debt for it. If if you're privileged enough to have that money or your parents can support you to do it, go have fun if you want to do it, but not to just check the box for medical school. Uh, da, da, da. 
So common question here, does pharmacy technician count as clinical experience? My take on it is no. My take on it is no. Pharmacy technician does not count as clinical experience. It is a retail job. Um, a lot of students will put it as clinical experience, but I don't think it is. So this, this student says, uh, everyone I talk to keeps telling me PA instead of MD. Why is that? Probably because you're a woman, Paige, unfortunately. And they go, oh, don't you want a family? Don't you want to have kids? Going to Being a doctor won't let you have a family, won't let you have kids. It's ridiculous. If you want to be a doctor, be a doctor. If you want to be a PA, be a PA. They're not the same career. They do not offer the same opportunities in the end. Yes, a lot of things that PAs do are similar to being a physician. But at the end of the day, if you want to be a doctor, be a doctor. My my good friend, Hala Sabri, Dr. Hala Sabri, she runs a group of 115,000 physician moms around the world called the Physician Moms Group or Physician PMG, Physician Mom Group. Uh, and the Today Show just did a piece on her yesterday that was released. So um, you can just search today. I think if you just go to today.com, let me see. If you go to today.com and... I don't know where it is on the website, but look, look on the website for it. Uh, there's a really good piece about being a mom and being a physician and what those challenges are and, and, and where the support comes from and all the changes that people are um, trying to get to. <laughs> no, people tell me PA instead of MD too. Yeah, it's from guys and girls, right? Uh, both both men and women, guys, girls, anyone uh, are, are being told that because it's, it's out of ignorance. Um, it's out of ignorance. It's, it's out of not understanding what the difference is. And some physicians will tell you, just be a PA. Um, and so at the end of the day, it is what it is. Can you put the website for proof of submission, a pre-order again, just pre-ordered the book? Yes, it is right here. Med school application book. There you go. Public schools except out of state. A lot do. Just got to do your research. All right. What else? Let's see. Let's, let's get a couple more questions here. Worked as a physical therapy aide for many years at various locations and with different populations. Does that count as clinical experience? A thousand percent. Thousand percent. <laughs> How do we hire you to look over our application? So I do one-on-one -on -one calls. You just go to my website um, or you go to map.com. We have um, a team of advisors over there. We're actually hiring a, a new advisor right now. We're in the process of hiring a new advisor who has some great experience, hopefully. Most definitely. Might be a silly question, but... Um, are all Texas med schools on TMDSAS or some are not? Some are not on TMDSAS. So TMDSAS uh, um, has historically been for public medical schools in Texas. Not every medical school in Texas is a public medical school. So TMDSAS is for public medical schools. And this year, this application cycle coming up, Baylor is now part of TMDSAS. So Baylor is a private medical school in Texas, but is now part of TMDSAS as well. 
so yes, there there are some schools. Uh, I don't know them off the top of my list. Uh, Incarnate Word is one that I believe is is through Acomis. It's a DO school in San Antonio, I believe. And then there's a, a T, the TCU school, um, MD school, I believe, is is a private school that's not on uh, TMDSAS. It is on MCAS. Michael Olson says, love mapped. Thank you, sir. I love Map too. We get so many exciting updates coming to Mapped. Uh, working on uh, Mapped for PA students. If you're a pre-PA student watching this right now, uh, that's a that's a secret. Don't tell anybody. It's just between me and you. Um, but we'll we'll adjust that for pre-PA students, and then in the future, all pre-health students. Um, but Mapped is an awesome tool to help you track everything you're doing through the process, share it with your advisor, continue to interact with your advisors, prepare for all of your application essays right inside of Mapped. All right, let's get one more great question here. Mm-mm. Let's see, let's see, let's see. So here's a, an interesting question that comes up a lot is, I didn't know you were short-tempered. Who is short-tempered? <laughs> Who's being short-tempered? That's funny. Uh, how do we project hours on AMCAS? Starting a scribe job in May, but still want to apply early. So AMCAS specifically tells you to project out date and hours. So date would go out to estimated MCAT start day. So, or not MCATs, estimated, um, you refuse to answer. I don't, refuse to answer what? I'm gonna block you. Don't, don't do that. I'm gonna block you. Um, estimated med school start. So August of 2022, if you're applying here in 2021. Um, and then estimate hours. Some schools will say, don't do that. It muddles things up. Some some people will tell you, put it as a separate line. So um, when you're entering your activities, you, you, you do date ranges. So for you, it'd be May 2021 to June 2021, and then June 21 to August 2022. I don't recommend that either. Just do one block, estimate the hours. That's what AMCAS tells you to do. Follow the rules, you'll be fine. Um, all right, folks, that's all the time I got. I gotta go have some lunch. I got some more calls later on. I hope you all have a wonderful day. One more time. I'm pushing my new book. Uh, I'm gonna see if I can make like a, a Wall Street bestseller list or USA Today bestseller list, USA bestseller list, something like that. It'd be fun. Medschoolapplicationbook.com. Go check it out. Submit the pre-order receipt and you'll get all my books. All my books in PDF form. All my books right here in PDF form. Oh, got my, my MCAT book, my interview book, and my personal statement book. You'll get all the PDFs of the books, including PDF of the new one, submitting the pre-order receipt. So buy one, get four. How's that for a deal? <laughs> and then I make like a dollar. You don't make any money writing books. Uh, but I love doing it. I love supporting you guys. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you soon.
This is MedEd Media.